the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. I have a video at PragerU. Why don't people hate communism as much as Nazism? My guest has a video. What is the title of Paul Kangor's? Who is Karl Marx? He's an expert on communism. That... uh, so let me uh, let me tell you something because uh, we did a we did a an ultimate issues hour on communism just uh, recently when I noted that uh, there's a very interesting statement in the book of Deuteronomy which is it's the fifth book of the Bible it's the third book of my commentary it's coming out next year I'm finishing it this year and there's a, a law there that you have to remember the evil that this nation Amalek. Amalek did uh, to you the Israelites. And my commentary on that uh, verse is you have to remember great evils. The average student today knows nothing about the gulag, nothing about the starvation of the Ukrainians, nothing about the great leap forward in China, nothing about the killing fields of of, uh, Cambodia. That's why people like Paul Kengor, their work is important. He has a new book out on Marx himself, The Devil and and Karl Marx. He is a professor of political science at Grove City College. Paul, welcome back to the Dennis Prager Show. Hey, Dennis, it's great to be on with you. Thank you for for all your great work, and thank God for Prager U. (laughs) I agree with that. Thank you for that. If it's not uh, wrong for me to say, I thank God for PragerU, too. And thank I thank you. God for people like Paul Kengor. So tell me, uh, is it, and I always tell guests, feel totally free to differ with me. It's, an, it's a non-issue. Uh, so am I right or wrong in, you, in your opinion about what a, a typical college student today could not identify? And I went through that, that list. Oh, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And, and I, I mean, look, I mean, a big problem with, um, I, I mean, here we are, we're, we're in a cancel culture today, Dennis, right, where any statement that anybody ever made in the past, any attitude, any sort of racial statement can, can get you canceled. And, you know, they went after Reagan last year around this time for something he said to Richard Nixon in 1972. Um, you know, they've gone after everyone from Washington and Jefferson to even Lincoln. I mean, they're tearing down statues of Frederick Douglass, of all people. And you got a guy like Karl Marx who said some of the most hideous things on race uh, to, in regard to blacks, in regard to women. His anti-Semitic statements are, are blood-curdling. They're, they're really remarkable. And, I mean, if, if any conservative said even one of these things that, that Marx said, dozens upon dozens of students or statements, students would be on campuses you know, demanding to be, you know, 
demanding entrance into professors' offices who have busts of Karl Marx, right? I mean, this guy, uh, this guy had really vile views, and that doesn't even go into the ideological issue, the spiritual issue, which I know is what we're going to talk about. His views on his views on God, and even his really quite chilling and diabolical writings on the devil, of all things. Yes, that even I'm not aware of, and Marxism and communism were my field of specialty, ironically. I, you know, by the way, on a personal note, I think you'll find this of interest. So I, I studied what was called communist affairs uh, at the Columbia University School of International Affairs. I actually studied under Brzezinski. Wow. Uh, yeah, who gave wow. the, the advanced seminar on communism. And there were like six of us in all of Columbia at a very rare major, communist affairs. And I remember when I left Columbia after two years of graduate school, I remember thinking, you know, it was a fascinating major, but it, it, it's not going to be important because communism, not then, but within 15, 16 years, died in Europe. And I thought, phew, it's a good thing I didn't enter the field. Little did I know how important that major would actually be. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was I was an undergraduate major pre-med at the University of Pittsburgh when I read Zbigniew Brzezinski's book, The Grand Failure, right? I think mm-hmm. that came out around 1989. And at that point, he had been in the Carter administration, really the, you know, the, the best staffer that Jimmy Carter had, probably one of the only good staffers that Jimmy Carter had. He was an anti-communist pole, right, a mm-hmm. native pole. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, that was about the time. So it's when the Cold War collapsed, uh, you know, ended, 1989. Berlin Wall fell, 1989. Soviet Union disintegrated in 1991. But at the same time, guys like me, you, and others, you know, we we've been warning people in the 1990s, early 2000s, that if you don't start to teach this past, the evils of communism, what happened in the Cold War, this could come back to bite us. And here we are today, I don't know, when does she speak her 60 seconds of the Democrat convention, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, probably this week, maybe even tonight, but she was, AOC was born, if this is correct, it's off the top of my head, I think October 1989. So she was, she was four weeks old nursing at her mother's breast when the Berlin Wall fell. And then you know, she spent, grew up probably going to public schools and then went off to college, and she learned none of this. And now here she is today. She fancies herself a quote-unquote democratic socialist, not understanding that socialism is one of the transitionary steps to communism, at least, at least according to Marxist-Leninist theory it is. But, but people like her, we have a whole generation that never learned any of this. So I, kind of like you, I... I got my master's degree at American University, the School of International Service, what was it, 1994. And I, I had some of those same thoughts. I thought, well, you know, should I really even be studying this? I mean, maybe I should just go focus on, and I did, I focused more on the Middle East than, than I, I initially started with Latin America. But, but here we are, 30 years after the fall of the Berlin Wall, and you now have a majority of young Americans saying that they prefer socialism over capitalism, and many of them even saying positive things about communism, and even favoring the uh, the abolition of private property. Teen so Vogue just insane. had a yes. Teen Vogue just had a uh, a piece for kids to read. 
that we yeah. should there should be no private property. That's exactly right. Yeah, I wrote a piece for the American Spectator about two weeks ago called Teen Vogue to Teen Girls, Marx Good, Reagan Bad. And, <laughs> and it, it talked about a hit piece that they had just done on Reagan, and it reminded them of a positive piece they had done on Marx a few months before that. And then lo and behold, in between, you're right, I think it was just last week, somebody sent it to me. They said, hey, check this out. And they were literally calling for, quote, abolition of private property, unquote. And the Marx and Engels in the Communist Manifesto, they write, quote, the entire theory of the communists may be summed up in a single sentence, abolition of private property, unquote. And you know, a lot of the people that probably read Teen Vogue, a lot of them, probably most of them, teen girls, presumably, they have no idea that comes out of the Communist Manifesto. But, but it does, and magazines like this are able to get away with this because we've now educated or miseducated a couple generations of young people who have no clue, no clue what, what, what communism or socialism even are. There was, there was a French socialist who said all property is theft. I, f- I forgot who it was, but that, that was one of the original ideas of communism. All yeah, property right. is theft. The Devil and Karl Marx. Paul Kangaroo's book. So what's this with, I, I studied Marx. I did not know about the devil part, so tell me. Yeah, it's really shocking. <laughs> I mean, I mean the, the guy wrote poetry about the devil. And people don't know this about Marx, but Marx actually fancied himself a poet. And, and really, Dennis, if he hadn't become a philosopher, and he probably shouldn't have because he was a pretty bad philosopher, um, actually, he was a pretty bad poet, too, at least in terms of what he was writing about. But he, he fancied himself a poet, and he wrote, he wrote a bunch of poems about, about Satan. And, and it's hard to tell at times to what extent these are autobiographical, um, to what extent he's talking about um, the devil, kind of playing the devil himself. If he's um, if he's supportive of of the devil's vision, it's it's hard to say, and I say that in the book. I try to make these careful distinctions where and when I can. But for example, his 1837 poem. This is called the Pale Maiden, and I think this one, Dennis, is really profound because I I think this is autobiographical for Marx. He wrote, "Thus heaven I forfeited. I know it full well." My soul, once true to God, is chosen for hell, unquote. And you know, Marx had been, Marx was raised in, a, in a, a Jewish family that had many rabbis in the background. But, uh, Orthodox rabbis, both his father's father that, and mother's father. That, it's, it's, a, it's a good question. They, they seem to be on both sides. And as you know, it, depending on whether or not they were reformed or whether or not... They oh, no, they were orthodox. Were. I think I, I, this is an area that I, you know, I'm, I'm somewhat acquainted with. But, of course, his parents converted to Christianity. They did. they did. They converted to Christianity. So Marx was born May 5th, 1818, in Trier, Germany, and which, ironically, is one of the most religious Catholic cities in all of Germany. In fact, the, the great cathedral of Trier is the one where Helena, St. Helena, the mother of, a, the, the mother of um, Constantine, of all things, she went to the Holy Land, and she's alleged to have brought back a number of, of holy relics, um, in, including the crown of thorns of Jesus, which, which is believed to be in Notre Dame. 
She brought back the holy robe, the holy coat of Christ, she believed to be, and, and that's the one that the Roman soldiers cast lots for at the crucifixion. That's in the, that's in the Cathedral of Trier, and, and that's the town that Marx was raised in. So that cathedral goes back to, I think, the year 324, 330. Um, St. Ambrose, who taught Augustine, the Bishop of Milan, Ambrose, was there at one point. So he grew up in the literal shadow of that cathedral. His father converted to, to Christianity. It's believed to be under the social pressures and persecution of the day against Jews in Germany. And Marx, I think he converted, Marx would have been around four or five years, well, probably, Marx would have been about two years old, we think, probably, because the father probably converted around 1820. And then Marx was baptized into the faith 1823, when he was five years old. The, Marx's mother, she was reluctant to convert, and she did later, but she was never very passionate about the faith. So the father became Lutheran, Marx became Lutheran, and 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 the father, to his credit, the you know, the father believed in God, and you know, he was never very orthodox in whatever he believed in, in the Lutheran faith, the Protestant faith. If he had been Jewish before, that's the father. But he told Carl, he he said he said, listen, it is good for man to believe in God. This is a good thing, right? It's like the rudder of faith. The, the this moral compass will will help you. And so Karl Marx grew up. You know, somewhat of a Christian. I, I don't know how faithful he was about it, but we know that he left the faith when he got to college, the University of Bonn, where he connected with this awful theology professor who was, who was teaching atheism, a guy named Bruno Bauer. And by the way, one of the first of several intimate influences of Marx, who was very anti-Semitic, it's, it's, again, astonishing to see this guy's anti-Semitic writings. I mean, there, you, if, if, you, if you were to put up on a board certain quotes from Marx and, and you ask somebody, said, who said this? Some people might say Hitler said That's this. right. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's that bad. It, it's that bad. So, so Marx, he left the faith in college around uh, early 20s, and then by 1841, he and his professor, Bruno Bauer, we're launching a journal called the Archives of Atheism. So it was in college that he lost the faith. Let and me, I want to, in light of that, I just want to remind my listeners, people ask, when did American universities start going left? It's when American professors, or actually graduate students, went to Germany in the late 19th century because American universities were not granting doctorates generally. So they went for their doctorates in Germany, and already what you're reporting, in the 1830s, a young student named Karl Marx is turned anti-Christian, ultimately anti-God, anti-Semitic, anti-West, and that's already working in German universities in the earlier part of the 19th century. We send our best and brightest in the 19th century, and they come back with the ideas that have given us our modern university. So it's yeah. ironic that you should be reporting this. Yeah, and I'm, I'm careful to try not to dump on Germany too much, but, but I'll tell you, Dennis, it's really what happened in Germany in the 1800s, early 1900s, uh, Ralph de Toledano called it Berlin Babylon at one point in the early 19. That's in the early 1900s he said that. But you got Marx and Engels were there. 
um, Mikhail Bakunin, who's one of these atheist, socialist, weird, anarchist philosophers who referred to, didn't believe in God, but hailed Satan as the first rebel. Lucifer, who, who to quote Saul Alinsky, Lucifer, who, who earned himself his own kingdom. So these guys have this weird praise for, for Satan, even as, even as they claim to be atheists. Now, this, this uh, subtitle, Communism's Long March of Death, Deception, and Infiltration, is that the subtitle of the book? Because it's not on the cover. Yeah, it is. It, yeah, it's the subtitle of the book. And uh, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not on the cover, but it's on the inside of the cover. Yeah. Well, that's what it is. This is the sort of stuff that people uh, need to read. By the way, you're going to come out with an audible? With I, I should, yeah, I think so. I, I believe I believe they're working on it, and um, we should. In fact, now that you say that, <laughs> I'm going to use that to buy a van. Yes, that you Just tell them. No, it's very important. Yeah, you're right. It is important. There's so many people nowadays. That's right. Are, um, exactly. are listening, and, and in very. Them. By the way, uh, I am one of them, and I very frequently then get the book. Because I want to mark up the, the the book either either on Kindle or in the physical edition, so I very right. often end up buying two. Yeah, yeah. and it starts yeah, no, with the audible. That, yeah. You get you so yes, I am encouraging you to to tell them <laughs> this. This it. is a. The, by the way, what is the story at Grove City? Are you having classes? We are. We actually start back on August twenty fourth, so we start back next week on Monday. And uh, so they're taking all the different precautions, students wearing masks, and um, I think we professors wear shields, face shields, and social distancing. They're taking everybody's temperature before they leave the dorms in the morning. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully it'll, be, it'll go okay. I don't know. We'll see. Well, it, 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 it's um, – see, I, I don't want to get distracted, but I just want to say that I admit – Though I am allowing myself to get distracted, but it's so relevant. I mentioned earlier in the show that the University of North Carolina opened up. So about 250 students got COVID, so they're closing the university again. Right. Uh, if the criterion for closing is students will have COVID, no university, no school will stay open. The, the society has not matured to the understanding that that is the nature of a virus. People get it. The question is not whether people get it, it's whether they get hurt by it. Right, right. And, and young people don't get hurt by it. It's very, right. very rare. It's more common right. to be hurt by the flu if you're 15 than by COVID if you're 15. Yeah, and, the, and of course, the concern for colleges, I, I think, too, is older folks, professors getting it, too. Right. I, I would teach. And, I, I would go in and teach. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, it's, well, anyway, look, the fear that is... In, engulf the the world is uh is very very bad but anyway back to uh, back to the the marx issue so he it is a very interesting aspect that i was not aware of that, so there was a a certain fascination with satan on on the part of marx is that what you're saying yeah yeah very much so and in, in fact in, in 1841 the same year that he was starting a an archives of atheism with his professor bruno bauer Marx wrote a, another poem called The Player, and in this one he wrote, Look now, my blood-dark sword shall stab unerringly within thy soul. The hellish vapors rise and fill the brain, till I go mad and my heart is utterly changed. See the sword, the prince of darkness, sold it to me. 
uh, that that's just yet another poem like that. He also did a play called Ulanam, which which if you if you play with it, it's it's an anagram that means Emmanuel, which which was which was the the name of Jesus, and and that's that's according to several of his biographers, Robert Payne and and others all can see that that's indeed what Marx meant with that. He, he had a fascination with, with Faust, with Goethe's Faust, Mephistopheles. Selling your soul to the devil. Yeah, yeah, he, he loved that. Because he knew, he, apparently he knew he did that. Well, and, and, what, and one, of, one of his favorite phrases for, from Mephistopheles is that everything that exists deserves to perish. Everything that exists deserves to perish. Wait, wait, wait where is that? I'm sorry, where is that from? That that's from Mephistopheles. Oh, it is. It's from Mephistopheles, and and, yeah. and and he and he loved that line. He loved that line. You know, this this is. I, I want to say this to my listeners. This is such an important dialogue or interview. There is at the core of leftism is nihilism. I have been saying that, but I I now realize it's truer than I realized. Starting with Marx. Book is up at uh, DennisPrager.com, The Devil and Karl Marx. It's a scholarly book, but it's written totally accessibly. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. This is Owen Strand for townhall.com. What is happening in America? Many have asked this question of late. In Portland, Oregon, police recently received some 60 911 calls and could handle only a few. A video from the city went viral as it showed a man named Adam Hayner attacked by a mob. He was conscious until Marquise Love, a Black Lives Matter protester, roundhouse kicked him. It is not known if Hayner will survive. This is merely one example of many from an embattled city. Americans should not miss what is taking place in our country. The foundations of law and order, of justice and social coherence, are shaking. We should all take responsibility for the future of this country. Liberal policies and decisions are undoing American order. People do not have help when they call 911. Mobs are ruling downtowns. Alongside other questions, we ask this. What will happen in America? When policy corrupts, new leadership is needed. I'm Owen Strand. The Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy for those considering careers in politics and policy.